0: Welcome to Chat Hello everybody and welcome to a very spooky episode of Chatsunami. My name's Satsunami and joining me on this very horrific holiday, if you can call it that, is none other than the one and only amazing streamer, Zelfia. Zelfia, welcome.
1: Hi, nice to be here.
0: How are you doing tonight? Pretty
1: good. I just finished up watching my favourite technical horror movie and now I'm here hanging out with you.
0: And as you said there, today we are indeed going to be talking about some thing that i have to admit is a little bit of a departure for the show because i have to admit i was talking to my friends and co-hosts asking them if they wanted to do like a spooky film and suffice to say the answer was a straight up no (laughs) (laughs) have you ever seen that with your friends where you say do you want to watch this film it's really spooky it's really this and that and they go no (laughs)
1: Yeah, all the time.
0: (laughs) Today we're going to be jumping into the weird and wonderful world of horror films. Now, as you guys listening at home may know, in the past we have done an episode on what makes a good horror game, but we have never really gone into the world of what makes a good horror film. Before we go on, Zelfia, what is your background with horror films?
1: funny enough, I wasn't always a horror person. I was actually a scaredy cat growing up. Hiding behind the couch, watching simple little kids horror, you know, like goosebumps and stuff. I actually did not get into horror till I was about 14 and I was watching movies with my aunt and uncle. They're the ones that really got me into horror. I used to be just so scared but my uncle sat me down and was like, hey, remember Zell? None of this is real. That person right there is covered in corn syrup mixed with coloration. And after then, I just was non-stop watching horror because of how he spoke to me and all that i started non-stop soaking myself in horror one of my first horror films was actually the village those kind of movies just started soaking up my life and i've been watching horror for over 15 years now but i'm more into like the older horror movies and i love picking them apart special effects everything but that's basically it i'm just a big fan
0: <laughs> i mean to be fair horror at least from when it started to at least nowadays has people understand the horror genre. It has changed. Well, I wouldn't say completely, but it's definitely, would you say it's evolved from the original films?
1: Well, here's the thing. I feel like horror goes with the decade. I don't feel like you can compare a horror movie from the 50s to movies in the 90s, you know what I mean? It's completely different generation of people. Different generations that they're exposed to. I feel like we've all watched movies like The Shining, The Exorcist, and all that nightmare on Elm Street, like slasher movies classic slasher movies i feel like we've all watched those movies and we all have different reactions to it but i think it's all depends on the decade because the movie the shining you might say is timeless but at the same time it's very outdated to now being isolated for a whole winter no problem nowadays people would be like that's no sweat staying in a hotel isolated for six months especially in 2023 after covid you know like it's not scary anymore i don't think any of us went insane but it's still a good movie. I feel like what's more scary it just depends on who you are
0: and what decade. I know what you mean though it is a very subjective thing because I have to say and this might draw the ire of a couple of people maybe in the horror community when I say this but there are some really popular horror films that I've watched personally and either I'll laugh at it or I kind of think this is silly, this isn't the best but then I'll see another film and I'll think oh my goodness that was absolutely horrifying, that was terrifying I, you're right, not only is it a generational thing, whether it's the decade of the 50s or as far as nowadays, and again, not all horror's gory, but I feel as if it's maybe gotten a little bit gorier, you know, the more they've been allowed to get away with in terms of the creators themselves. But yeah, do you find as if it is quite a subjective thing?
1: Oh, definitely. I can watch horror movies that are covered in blood and guts and horrifying creatures all day long, but 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 what really gets me is movies that are psychological, that really get you into the person that is the main character or, like, main characters, and they just go through these so many effects, like The Babadook. That movie messed with me the first time I watched it i was literally terrified it's silly looking back at it now but that movie just messed with you and the movie the village too but i feel like everyone is subjective i still can't watch some horror movies that are covered in gore because i don't know about if you do but when it comes to like certain things horror movies especially when something's happening to them like let's say they get cut with a razor blade i cringe and i'm like oh gosh because i put myself in that person's shoes That's why I feel like psychological movies scare me more.
0: No, there is definitely something about when they try to get under your skin with it on purpose. Sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively in some of these (laughs) films. But yeah, I know what you mean. Because funny enough, my partner and I were flicking through Netflix the other day. And because it's a spooky season that's coming up, we thought, should we try and go for something a bit more horror-based, something a bit more disturbing? And there were a couple of films that did pop up but one of the ones that popped up was Evil Dead Rises, I think, or Evil Dead Rise.
1: Oh, one of the remakes.
0: Yeah.
1: I actually have not watched that one yet.
0: The thing that put me off about it, I mean, I've not really watched any of the series as a whole, but one of the things that put me off was just the gore aspect of it, and there seemed to be a lot of people saying, oh, they do a particular thing with the thing, and then they rip the thing off, and then the thing (laughs) goes everywhere. And I'm like, this is selling me. I'm sorry. This is a bit too brutal and I have to say there's certain things for me in films where I will recoil. Like, I'm very much into, you know, my action films and things like that. Understandably. Yeah, so whenever I see someone punch another person or someone get shot, you know, I've seen it so many times that you kind of get desensitized you think, alright, okay. But I always remember in the cinema seeing of all things, it was like the third Batman film, the Christopher no one, and I remember there's a scene where the main villain Bane, he grabs Batman and he breaks his back, and the amount of recoil and gasping I made at that point, because I was like, the punching? Totally fine. The shooting and everything? Yep, totally fine. The back-breaking, bones-breaking in general? I was like, no, no, I'm out. I still stayed to watch the film, but you know, obviously it's going to be tenfold when it's in the realm of horror, but see, before we go into it, before we go into what makes a horror film good. I'm going to ask you a bit of a strange question here. What, in your opinion, is defined as a horror film?
1: That is a really good question. I love Beetlejuice, right? That is my top film. It has everything that a horror movie needs, but I myself do not consider it a horror movie. I feel like a horror movie just has to just give you the chills. It has to get you terrified if this happens to you. It has to make you think and just scare in some way, psychological, some psychological thing. In Slashers, what would you do if someone was chasing after you with a knife and hunting down. That itself is terrifying. Uh, let's say a movie like The Thing. I don't know if the others seen that movie.
0: Do you know, it's on the list. Yeah. I'm ashamed to say. My friend keeps recommending it next to, I mean, not a horror film, but Citizen Kane and all of those films. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. But yeah, it's definitely on the list.
1: I understand that. But no, the thing, it's terrifying because they're isolated. They're isolated in the Antarctica area and covered in snow, in this isolated area, scientists, and they're not only being hunted by this animal, this creature, this alien that they don't understand, but they don't know who's real and who's alive still. And they don't know who's, if this person that is in front of them is actually the alien or them. And it's terrifying because they can't trust anyone, neither themselves. And I feel like that is the true meaning of horror. is just losing your humanity in some way. Losing the sense of safety.
0: No, that's a perfect summary, to be honest. I mean, it's going back to what we were saying before about these films being very subjective because one person's horror might not necessarily be another person's Horror. You know, and I know that sounds like a very basic thing to say, but you're completely right. It is that idea of trying to pull the audience almost into a situation that they're not familiar with, and a lot of that is, I suppose, rooted maybe in the fear of the unknown. You know, like you would like yeah. to think people watching these films haven't been chased around by a big alien monster. <laughs> or by a person hiding in the cupboard, the creators must try to think, right, how can we make the audience feel as if they are an active participant in these films? How are they going to feel? Are they going to feel happy? Are they going to feel scared? Are they going to feel, I don't know, are they going to laugh at it? Because I have to say, what I find quite interesting is the role of comedy. And I'm interested to hear what you think about this, but there's been a lot of horror films that initially they might have started quite Serious, You know, like your Nightmare on Elm Street, your Scream, things like that, where I know they're more in this lasher realm, but you know, they start off as very serious and, oh, what would happen if you were being chased by a murderer? But then they get quite comical and over the top. So I'm just quite curious to hear what you think about the role of comedy when it comes to these films.
1: I have a lot of opinions on that.
0: <laughs> oh, do tell. <laughs>
1: I love when horror movies take the piss out of things because one of my top favorite cult classics that's actually becoming more popular than other right now, and it's from like the 80s Killer Clowns of the Outer Space. I absolutely love how goofy it is. And you're yeah, like, yeah, people were getting killed, and yeah, there's some horrifying things in it that are scary. I don't know if you've ever seen it.
0: I have heard of it. <laughs> I've definitely heard of it.
1: There's this one scene when like the group of teenagers, because you know it's always a group of teenagers, are trying to go back to the police station to to get the policeman's help from the clowns and they see it's been taken over by the clowns and they walk in and see the main guy. I think it's one of the kids' fathers and he's all cut up and bloody and they're like Dad or Mr. What Other? I can't think of the names only because I'm horrible with names but they all suddenly see the clown behind them, you know, and the clown is using this grown man as a puppet. A human puppet. That part freaks me out but the rest of the movie, I laugh all day long, you know what I mean? Obviously it's a horror movie but I love comedy and horror. Do I always think it sticks? Heck no! New remake of Chucky. I don't know if you've seen that one.
0: Do you know? Funny enough, it's something that I actually thought when you were talking about how you were watching horror films when you were younger and people were telling you, don't be afraid of them, you know, they're just fake, they're not real. Chucky was one of those films for me, I have to say, where every time I saw him or I saw the box art or anything, I would be terrified. Like, (laughs) I was really scared of Chucky. And then one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to conquer my fear. I'm gonna watch this film. And you know what? See, at the end of the day, the film was it was okay, you know? It wasn't as scary as I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, that was a very proud moment. I had to pat myself on the back and be like, finally watched a horror film. But, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Chucky is one of those ones that has definitely embraced its silly sides, because I have to say, see, after the first one, I don't think they really tried to keep it serious, did they?
1: Oh, agreed. But I'm talking about the new remake with Mark Hamill. I love the Chucky series I'm a big fan my husband's a big fan we were really excited for the new season of the show but a couple of years back they made a remake of Chucky and we we're like okay sweet and they're like oh Mark Hamill is gonna voice Chucky and we're like okay. We love some Mark Hamill in this house. We sit down and watch and we're like, how did Mark Hamill agree to do this? <laughs> the movie starts off with like, you know, the usual the original Child's Play where it's like Christmas time, I think, and it's a single mom who's actually Aubrey Plaza. Love her. And she gets her kid this doll. But the thing is, it's different from Child's Play because they don't have just a talk box. They're actually their own personal little Alexas now, these Chucky dolls. And it's completely ridiculous the whole time because this Chucky is not just has a serial killer inside him but this Alexa is like take control of all this machinery like even at one point it takes over a electric saw and makes it go slinging across the room and I'm like how? There's no bluetooth in an electric saw and this Chucky at one point kills this one guy in a watermelon field in New York in the middle of winter with fresh melons everywhere (laughs) and I just feel like there is a fine line with comedy and just cheap, not cringe comedy that doesn't meet the marks of comedy in horror. And that is the newest film I can think of that hits all the points of what makes a horrible comedy horror.
0: Going back to what you were saying before about the adaptability of these films because something that might have been scary and, as we said, the time of Psycho in the 1960s, I hope I got that right, to nowadays where, you know, as I said, they're more, well, not all of them, but most of them decide to be a little bit more flashy in terms of the way they present themselves. And I suppose because there's so many of those films, now you're getting this almost a sub-genre of horror that is the deconstruction genre. If you look at Shaun of the Dead or Cabin in the Woods, you know, those kind of films that they decide to hone in on particular tropes like the, oh, don't split up. We're all going to be killed. Oh no, it's the teens beside the lake and you know, all of these different things that is laughed at now but probably at the time. Maybe laughed at then but maybe less left so. It is quite interesting to see how comedy as well has played a role in that but it also speaks volumes. If we take a series like, for example, Scream where the whole premise is somebody getting phoned and you know, what's your favourite scary movie and everything gets spoken to your ear which I have to say fortunately never happened to me yet (laughs) I'm holding out hope that's going to be a continuous record but yeah it's interesting to think that a concept back in the 90s where you know you didn't really have caller ID as opposed to nowadays where everyone's got a mobile phone and you know you can see who's calling you I mean I don't know about you but if I see an unknown number pop up on my phone I don't answer it I'm just like same send that to voicemail
1: I barely answer for people that do have color ID.
0: See, unless it's immediate family or a really good friend, I'm like... Should I answer this? Should I not? Is this a serial <laughs> killer? You know what, I'm going to let it go to voicemail.
1: Yeah, I'm like, you can text me. You can text me. Text me whatever you need. I don't want to talk on the phone right now.
0: But I mean, if you take Scream and, you know, the core concept of that and then translate it into a modern setting, it just doesn't work the same, does it?
1: No, and I feel like how they're doing the continuation with it is pretty good, but it doesn't hit the same marks because, you know, they just released, I think it was scream six two years ago and how they did it was just continue the story and go back to its roots but at the same time you know they can't really do phones and iphones and color id they tried a little bit but they didn't push it like the originals and they brought back making it the killer's kids and stuff like that like you know what i mean and i feel like you know that works but if they remade scream today what would they do (laughs) they just airdrop little messages that's all i could think of is like sending little little memes and saying i'm gonna kill you you know what i mean and make it a meme picture and airdrop it to these people's phones. That's the only way I feel like it could work because I do not think Scream could work the same nowadays. And I love Scream but it's one of those movies that you cannot just remake and expect it to hit the same especially without Wes Craven. It
0: is strange though because you get, and again it's like any other genre, you do get the core films or the core identities that everybody seems to rip off of. For your slashers you've got I know what you did last summer, as we said, you've got Scream and all of them, then you've got your supernatural films, you've got your, as you said before, your psychological, you know, you've got all these subgenres within it, but you always think of the one definitive film. When you think of psychological, you'll probably think, oh, maybe Psycho. You see a lot of other films, like, not as good. I don't know if you've seen the film on Netflix, it was called Killer Book Club, from kind of Scream-esque in the slasher genre and it's like these college students end up getting into an accident and they kill someone and then you know it's very much a oh who's phoning me to say oh I know what you did a bit like I know what you did last summer kind of pulling from that but it does it in a really clunky way going off on that do you think the horror genre is underrated or rather not taken as seriously compared to other films.
1: I feel like Hollywood doesn't see its potential with money and all that. Like, yes, not every movie is going to be a sellout and all that, and everyone has their own taste in horror movies. And yeah, there's more horror movies than other, but I feel like they don't give enough money to them. You know what I mean? Like, they don't put out enough ads, they don't try to advertise them enough. enough. They just are like, you can do this movie, but I ain't going to help you. This new movie that came out, me and my husband had no idea it came out. and We've been waiting for it. it. It's a new Stephen King movie called The Boogeyman. We found out last night when we were clicking through things that you can already go and rent it. we're like, wait, it released? And I feel like they don't hype them up enough. I feel like when the Marvel movie Endgame came out, every single person knew about it. You know what I mean? Because of all the advertisements, all the hype, all the love that they gave to it to hype it up. And I feel like horror movies aren't appreciated that way. But I feel like they're more loved than other, more taken seriously. Because as a person that's in horror, it was really hard to get anyone to talk about horror and social media is a great place like i found hundreds of people i can talk to about horror on instagram and twitter other social medias tiktok especially and it all goes to the same place of our love for horror. but i feel like hollywood itself does not see the fandom and the horror fans And they don't care, especially in budgets, because a lot of horror movies you can see were suffering for budgets. They gave so much money to Jaws. I don't know if you know that. Like, they had three different mechanical sharks in Jaws. None of them waterproofed. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, they had one that was only half fully sharked, not robot. And then they had another one was like the other half of the shark fully rode off and they only had one shark fully skinned and shark life. They had to go through so much and each shark was over 250k a lot of money. And like yeah, they get that money but Steelberg still had to work with its limits. You know what I mean? Especially with the 80s with the technology then. That's why you do not see the shark to like, I think it's a hundred and something minutes into the movie. Like it's over an hour in, I know that. You do not see the shark at all and Silberg had to work with that because he didn't have all the funds he couldn't keep spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on another shark and wait longer
0: But that actually does bring up a good point and I just want to quickly backtrack onto something you were saying before when you were talking about Hollywood not wanting to invest in particular films because you're completely right. I remember, and maybe it's not traditionally a horror film, although I think you could loosely describe it as a horror film. Have you ever seen a film called The Grey with Liam Neeson?
1: Actually, no. I've never even heard of it.
0: So it's a really, really weird one, I remember going to see this in the cinema, and the way that Hollywood and all the advertisers basically marketed this film was Liam Neeson fights wolves. You know, he's chasing them down, he's punching them. It seemed like a weird, non-thinking action film, but what it actually is, and this is probably one of the weirdest examples of marketing mismanagement, but it's basically this slow survival film where he's in a plane and he crashes with a group of other guys, and they essentially just have to make it out, they have to try and get back to civilization, everything's trying to kill them. And it's not like the traditional porter. As I said, there's no biggie men, there's no supernatural entity, there's nothing trying to get them as such, it's just nature that's trying to get them, whether it's the cold, whether it's the their mental fortitude that's just decaying. It's just it's such a fascinating film in that regard. And granted, it's been a while since I've seen it, so I could be kicking myself in the face with that one. But yeah, it's interesting to see how they want more backsides on seats so they try to say, it's the scariest film ever, or oh, it's one of the goriest films. Here's a potential controversial question here, but have you seen Smile?
1: I saw like all the ads for it, didn't want to watch it, so I didn't.
0: I wouldn't say I was rushing to see it, but my partner and I were out and about and we had an Ethan to ourselves and we went to the cinema and we saw that it was being advertised so we thought, you know what, let's try a horror film and, you know, go out, let's see it in the cinema. Gonna be honest, it was terrible. I genuinely think it's one of the worst films I've seen. Not in terms of cinematography or, I mean, God forbid, even the acting was okay, but see, when you've got a theatre full of people who are laughing at your horror film and the horror film's not a comedy, <laughs> then you've... Re- really, really done something wrong there.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, the audience were smiling, and not in a oh, it's so spooky, it's like genuinely, everyone was just laughing, rolling their eyes, just scoffing at the whole premise, at the scenes and everything. My partner and I, we were just laughing our backsides off at it. I mean, it was good in that respect, but again, it's back to this viral marketing of, oh, it's the scariest thing ever, and it certainly does appeal to a certain demographic like some people will get sucked into it to say oh we better see it or on the flip side you've got your franchises you know as we said you've got scream you've got i know what you did last summer your nightmare on elm street halloween especially is a big one
1: oh yeah
0: even the saw films i think as of this episode the tent Saw film is it or it's called Saw X so I don't know if that means it's a tenth film or they just wanted to be like edgy with it.
1: I have no idea I've only seen clips of Saul. I will not watch Saw. I think it's just a gore fest. There's a good thin line of good horror movies, thrillers and all that and then there's just the gore fest. Saw one of those films. As a horror fan I love some good horror aspects like I love 13 Ghosts. I don't know if you've seen that one. That one it has a lot of gore. It's very gross all that but it still has good stories. Story. It's not overly done. It's not throwing it in your face. It shocks you with its score and its scariness. Saul's just like, I'm going to torture you and people are going to enjoy this through a film. Like the whole story is, I'm going to torture you for fucking me over. And I don't appreciate that. I want actual story. I want more than just like people getting their foot smashed in with a hammer or whatever or having to dig a key out of the leg. I can't stand those kind of films. They get so advertised. I get ads for that all the time. Not like real ads because obviously they can't just show ads score all the time, but they show little clips and little pictures of ads everywhere. I've been opening TikTok for weeks seeing this all ad.
0: Yeah, I have to say, that's been popping up my end as well, when it's the guy with the whatever he's got in his eyes, you know, to make the X, and it's like oh, go see this, it's the goriest one, it's the scariest one, blah blah blah, and you're like, really? I am totally with you there. It's one thing if a film is bad uh, but at least maybe trying or it's bad so it leans more into like ironic comedy and you're like, eh, I don't I don't really like that either. But for me personally as well, I don't see the point in those kind of films. You know, you've got your Saws, your God forbid human centipede, all of these films that go out the way to shock you. And there's hundreds of films out there that are probably just as bad if not worse, that build upon trying to shock the audience and don't get me wrong there are ways to do it You can build up atmosphere you can actually sit down and write good characters
1: I feel like there's plenty of horror movies that don't have any blood to them just the scare okay Tim Burton is not a horror movie person you know what I mean but he knows every aspect of horror films like I was saying about Eat Beetlejuice earlier Beetlejuice Nightmare for Christmas Corpse Bride Ethan Freakin' weenie <laughs> they all have that classic vibe of spooky, Halloween, undead, especially Quartz Bride and Christmas. They all have things to do with the dead, and they all have that same vibe. But are they horror movies? I don't think so. Do they have horror aspects? Yeah but they're kids' movies, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's kids' horror, like, Goosebumps, but that's not the same thing. Honestly, I feel like Tinburn can make an amazing horror movie, but it doesn't have to have any blood. I can't think of a scene in any movie besides Frankenweenie that has blood, you know, like, anyone getting harmed. Yeah, at the beginning of Beetlejuice the couple dies and they get a little harmed, you know, as ghosts but no one gets hurt. Honestly like I was saying earlier, like, Beetlejuice itself has every aspect of a horror movie. It has the beginning where it draws you in, the tragic death, all that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? But then you have the unexpected family and then they get tortured by this ghost that because that couple wants them out. And I feel like that's a good example of a horror movie that's not a horror movie that doesn't have any core. <laughs> I know that's a silly concept.
0: No one that's a completely valid point you're right there are ways to scare people without having anything gory or you know too over the top the example I always go for is have you seen a cartoon called Courage the Cowardly Dog yeah so you remember the slab guy oh
1: yeah he gave me nightmares as a kid
0: and... he gave me nightmares I actually remember being young and one of my brothers was like oh what are you watching and I was like oh I'm watching this show called Courage the Cowardly Dog oh it's so good let me show you this episode and what I didn't realise was it was that episode (laughs) and I was so terrified that he had to turn it off yeah I mean there's no blood in that as such but the horror the kind of jankiness of it it doesn't need to be as you said it doesn't need to be over the top because I even remember and this is like a completely niche side tangent here so apologies but I always remember when I was younger in primary school so I was between about maybe five to seven years old, we had to watch this BBC programme about, I think it was about environmentalism or something like that. And the whole plot was while they are trying to stop these evil business owners building, I don't know, a <laughs> factory or something in the middle of nowhere, this alien crash lands. And I'll honestly, I'll need to send you the clip of this, by the way, because words do not do it justice. But there's this just really creepy bit at the end where they show you the monster or rather the alien for the first time and he's like wandering in the darkness on a beach just this random British beach he's just walking from side to side It looks like a pine cone, he looks like something from Star Trek but you can't see him at that point and he's shrouded in darkness, that terrified me for weeks, I was distraught, I was like oh my god it's horrifying, but that's the thing though, it's like it doesn't have to be, as I said, over the top and everything and the This kind of leads on to something that you had brought up to me before we started recording, and something you mentioned earlier about practical sharks, as it were. And that is the idea of the practical effects versus people using CGI effects. Because let's face it, ever since the dawn of the 2000s and the new millennium, practical effects are... I wouldn't say they're a dying art.
1: They're rare.
0: They're definitely swapped out compared to what it is now, which is a shame because you see people who are just, they're so in love with the older films, and I know you are as well, a big fan of practical effects as well, but do you feel as if that is the case though that CGI has almost dominated the horror genre now in horror films.
1: I think it has a very big effect. The new movie, Megan. I think it was Megan with a doll. I didn't even watch it, because just watching the trailers, you know, like we were talking about earlier with comedy, it just wanted to be a new Chucky, but more trashy. And I couldn't get behind that. But I feel like the doll is overly CGI, that it's not scary. It just looks like a computer program. And I love Chucky because it was overly rubber, very ridiculous doll, almost looks like a puppet, you know, it's scary to me megan didn't scare me it looked like it was wearing filters so to make it look prettier or more i don't know how to describe it but it didn't scare me just from the picture like annabelle gave me more nightmares and, and i don't even like those movies megan just looked utterly ridiculous overly cgi'd i didn't even give it a chance to be honest my family was like oh you need to go see it It's so good and i'm like i'm not feeling it <laughs> and i love practical effects because they add so much more love to the movie because they're putting time and effort and thinking of it like thinking of how this can be more realistic do you know how many doors they went through in the shining for the iconic here's johnny scene guess how many doors they went through
0: i'm gonna go for a safe 10 maybe
1: 60 real wood doors
0: oh my god
1: 60 because jack nicholson himself was like hey I used to be a volunteer fireman. I know how to break down a door really easily. They were going through plywood doors like it was nothing. So they started having to use real wooden doors, like thick wooden doors. And they used a real axe. And to get the iconic shot, they went through 60 doors. And you know the iconic elevator scene? Guess how long it took to get it the perfect shot?
0: Probably a few weeks, maybe.
1: A whole year. Wow. Because it would take weeks to clean it up and then refill it with all that blood because they did it themselves. They filled up that whole elevator with all the fake blood. So it would take days to clean that hallway to make it perfect and look like there was no blood before, you know? But yeah, like, that's all they had back in the day. But that put just made the movie more worth it at the end, I feel like. That they put so much time and effort into these movies, it just adds its charm. And I'm not saying Shining's the best movie ever. I have a lot of critiques with it. It's very different from the book. I love when movies stay more true to the book. And even, like, Stephen King wrote the script for the movie, right? The director completely changed a lot. He completely took out the part of the maze where the animal-shaped bushes come to life and start attacking them. And then little things that caused Jack more to go insane. Jack just simply just started going insane. Honestly, I do love that movie because of the practical effects. But a movie that I like, really, that came out kind of recently that has really good practical effects, Doctor Sleep. And I know that's going off The Shining and all that, but it had really good effects. And it had not only practical effects, but also CGI. And they recreated a lot of old scenes to make it for now. They had a lot of actors that aren't alive anymore, obviously, because it's been like over 40 years since the movie came out. And they CGI'd it onto their sons and stuff like that. The old man that helps Danny know about his shining, the shine. They CGI'd him into the new movie of Dr. Sleep. And I thought it was so nicely well done. Not ridiculous, just nice and subtle, that it adds just the same touch as The Shining. But they have a little more horror. Like, there's this one scene in Dr. Sleep where the main bad person... I can't think of the name suddenly. I'm horrible with names, I'm sorry. But it's the lady with the hat, and she's going through the files of the girl's head because I love that imagery of our brains are just files, you know? And she's in the girl's head and going through files to get her secret. And the girl is actually aware of the lady being in her head and slams one of the file cabinets on the lady's hand, the lady in the hat. And it actually hurts her in real life. And in the dream, her fingers are like split in half and bruised and bloody. It's kind of practical sex, but it's mostly CGI and it does not even look like CGI. And I feel like that's a good example of CGI can't be used for good, but movies like Megan other do it, other use it, and just expect it to win. And I feel like that's the cheap way out of horror movies.
0: As you say, it's back in the day, the didn't really have much of a choice You either went with those practical effects Or you didn't have a film You obviously can throw things Or hurt people in real life But exactly for nowadays You know you do have this Amazing feature with CGI Because obviously it must save A lot of time for people And money And money as well That's true To be able to just click a button And be able to recreate those scenes And don't get me wrong I do think on the one hand That is amazing that they're able to do that but on the flip side you then get into the territory of and again these aren't really horror films but more your avatars or your you know, prequel yes. Star Wars those kind of things that when you watch them back they're just heavily dependent on CGI that you think that hasn't held up whereas if you look at films like Lord of the Rings for example they use a combination of practical effects and CGI And the way they kind of mesh those together is just near enough perfect. You know, obviously CGI is a very finicky thing. It's not always going to hold up. But even when you get practical effects that maybe don't hold up the same.
1: Oh, definitely. There's a movie with practical effects that I gotta mention for that. And that's the thing. I love the practical effects. I love the monster in there. But it would not hold up nowadays. I don't know. You haven't seen it but the creature in it. It's blobby. It's obviously a puppet. It's very well done for its time but it would not hold up today in 2023 for creation. I would be afraid of them doing a remake of the thing nowadays, because while the creature in the original movie is outdated now, I don't want to see it redone as a CGI horror thing. They actually wanted to make the creature stop motion, like claymation back in the day, but they're like, no, we don't have enough time, we don't have enough budget, just,
0: no. That actually reminds me of a particular film when they said stop motion there. It reminds me of the, and this is a topic that my friend and co-host Adam and I talked about extensively for our, this is going to spoil the movie, but our Terminator month where we were talking about the very first Terminator film and how we considered that initially to be, again, not in the traditional sense of a horror film but definitely more akin to like a slasher film. At least back then, I'd consider it to be a near perfect film of its genre, like the way they build up the suspense, the way the effects still hold up for the most part. I mean, the only thing that doesn't hold up is the stop motion. See, even then, though, between the stop motion and the fake head Arnie, where, you know, he peels back the skin and it's the robot skull and everything. See, beyond then, though, I feel as if it gives it more of a creepy factor, because that's one of those films that Oh, sorry. but that's one of those film franchises that has now evolved into just being purely CGI with maybe a couple of practical effects thrown in to be like oh look we still do practical effects and it's like well not compared to what you used to and I get why as I said I get why they do it cost and time and everything like that but it is quite a shame that they are losing their somewhat magic.
1: Yeah but we could say that about even Star Wars or like any sci-fi film they're losing the touch like they used to because the movie industry has completely changed in the last 20-30 years. Like, it's not the same beast it used to be. And I understand why they have to keep making changes, because, hell, technology just keeps advancing every day. I just feel like it's all about passion, love. You put it into a horror movie, that's what makes a horror movie good. What is the director? I cannot say the right ra- name right, but he made all those twist-ending movies, you know, M. Night Shyamalong. There it is. He made a lot of good horror films, but a lot of them you can see from the beginning what's going to happen. It's not really a twist. The good example is the grandparents movie. I can't think of the name suddenly. But it's when these two kids go to visit their grandparents. They sneak off to go visit their grandparents because their mom always kept them hidden from their grandparents and they didn't understand why. And they signed at them in this little town and they sneak off to go stay with their grandparents for the summer. And they get there and things are a little wacky. Grandma sundowns, grandpa poops in the shed, they're like what the heck. And the whole twist ending you know is it's not actually the grandparents their grandparents got locked in the basement or, I think, killed. And these people took over their lives from the nursing home the grandparents helped at. And they tried to kill these kids and all that. And they're like, what the heck? That was the whole twist ending. And honestly, it was kind of very mild. And it was supposed to be a full horror movie, you know? And the only scene that scared me in that whole horror movie was when the grandma was, like, running after the kid playing hide-and-seek under the crawlspace. And I saw that movie in theatres.
0: I have to admit, I know exactly what the following you're talking about, though it's definitely one of those things in terms of because I think we were talking about films like losing their luster over the years. Yeah. Because I mean even with M. Night Shyamalan he has done some really good ones you know The Sixth Sense and films like that are the ones you know you would usually go to but then for every Sixth Sense you've got a happening
1: Oh yeah the latest one I can think of that is my favourite
0: Before we wrap up and give our final thoughts one thing I'm curious to hear your opinion on is horror films that are intentionally bad. How do you feel as if they rank? So like your Birdemics, your Needles, your Titanic 2s, you know, those films that go out the way to be as cheesy as possible, do you think they have a place within the hierarchy of good horror films or do you feel as if they should just be cast away into a dark corner and never talked about again?
1: Oh no, I love... Talking about cheesy bad horror that is supposed to be cheesy bad horror. Me and my husband just love sitting down with an eye and finding the cheesiest movie we can find. Like, there's this one movie called Monkey Shines. I don't think it's supposed to be not serious, I think it's supposed to be serious, but it's the most ridiculous movie ever. This guy gets paralyzed from a car crash and he gets this monkey to be its little assistant, you know, like a service dog, but a monkey butler type deal that gets him his snacks or brings him his mail, ties his shoes. You know, that type deal. And the monkey freaking miseries him. It literally becomes obsessed with this man and in love with this man. That it holds it hostage, goes and kills people he's upset with, and keeps him hostage the whole movie. And it's so weird. Me and my husband talk about it all the time. We don't understand what was the point of this movie being made, but we want to show all our threats. And another cheesy horror movie I can think of that was supposed to be cheesy, The Barbarian. That's a new age movie. I love that movie. It's supposed to be cheesy, but it has such good effects and it has a very hilarious story. It just came out recently it's on HBO Max. I don't know what it would be for you since I don't think you have HBO Max I
0: think it came out in Amazon here Amazon Prime it's weird because I did watch it (laughs) I'm trying to remember if it was on Netflix or Amazon or Disney oh there's too many but anyway sorry
1: but no I watched that and I was expecting a real horror movie but and it seemed like a normal horror movie it's thirst and then it just became so ridiculous by the end you're just like laughing oh my god I can't believe this but it was so well done that honestly it's up there with movies recommends a real horror and yeah it'll throw them off how ridiculous it is but it's generally scary in some points i can't believe it and then another comedy horror i was literally ranting about this last night the movie tusk i don't know if you've heard of it any kevin smith fan
0: yeah i know of it
1: i love the whole premise because do you know why they created this movie
0: i feel like i'm not gonna like the answer but go ahead
1: (laughs) Oh no, it's hilarious. I think they were at a bar or something, or they were looking at Craigslist ads one day. They were just goofing off, and they see this Craigslist ad. And this man is like, You can live with me for three in my apartment, completely free of rent, but you must dress in a walrus outfit and I think sing me a little song every couple weeks or listen to my stories it's one of the two it was just very off the wall Kevin Smith saw this and all that and he was laughing his ass off he's like what is this horrid story like what is the whole point of this is this torture like is this what is this so he made a whole horror script off of it and made it a freaking movie based off this Craig's last ad and it was supposed to be funny it's supposed to be cringy it's supposed to be ridiculous and out there and I absolutely love it because they're being serious and the movie, but they're not really being serious. The whole creation of Mr. Tusk himself is horrifying, and I love it honestly. Like, those movies deserve a place in horror. Yes, it should be a sub genre with, like, you know, a psychological sci fi, those type of deals, but they have a special place in my heart, and I honestly feel it's a perfect kind of horror movie, just more lighter.
0: Oh, it certainly has, yeah. <laughs> I feel as if a lot of these films, like Tusk and Human Centipede, you know, those kind of films, they always seem to start off as like a conversation, a what-if, if if you will. Yeah. You know, uh, what would happen if X did Y? And you're like, oh, no, (laughs) please don't make us a movie. And then, of course, they do. But honestly, you've made some absolutely fantastic points. And yeah, before we wrap up, for those people out there listening who maybe aren't into the horror genre, what would you recommend in terms of them trying to get their foot in the door?
1: Oh, I would recommend The Village. That is like one of the first horror movies I watch. It's not gory. It doesn't really have that many jump scares. And honestly, at the end, you're like, it's a breath of fresh air at the end of the movie. The Village is the perfect horror feel of the movie, but not too scary. I feel like it's more the thriller, but it still has some horror to it
0: do you know I'll need to add that onto my list as well
1: highly recommend
0: honestly Sophia, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on talking about horror films and indeed what makes a good horror film on this very spooky night of Halloween so thank you so so much for coming on
1: thank you for having me on and let me info dump on you
0: (laughs) (laughs) not at all it's been really interesting I'm gonna need to keep those facts for later in case we ever have like a trivia episode and I can just throw (laughs) the facts at my co-host and be like ah I bet you didn't know it took a year to get the perfect shot in The <laughs> Shining but before we wrap up of course where can these lovely listeners at home find your content?
1: They can find me on Twitch under Zilthia Ma. I don't know if anyone wants me to spell it but yeah I'm on Twitch I'm on Twitter I have Instagram but I haven't really opened it up to the public yet but yeah I'm a small time content creator I just hit where I can be affiliated and I'm working out all those little details right now I like just playing Little Combo games and just chatting with my followers and asking how their day is and just joking around. I'm just here for a good time, not to make money or anything like that. I just enjoy making content and talking to my followers.
0: And I would completely echo that. If you're looking for a fantastic and comfy stream, then definitely go check out Zelfia Moth at Twitch and, of course, everywhere else, she said. And once again, thank you so much for coming on. If you would like to hear more of our content, then you can check us out on our website, chatsanami.com, as well as all good podcast apps. Just look for the Red Panda under the name chat tsunami and yeah we'll see you there i also want to give a huge shout out to our pandalorian patrons robotic battle toaster and Sonia. thank you so so much for supporting the channel and if you would like some exclusive content on this wonderful spooky day then you can check it out at patreon.com forward slash chat tsunami but until then stay safe stay awesome and most importantly stay haunted Welcome to Chatsunami, a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests. Previously on Chatsunami, we've analysed what makes a good horror game, conducted a retrospective on Pierce Brosnan's runs James Bond, and listened to us take deep dives into both the Sonic and Halo franchises. Also, if you're an anime fan, then don't forget to check us out on our subseries Chatsunani, where we dive into the world of anime. So far, we've reviewed things like Death Note, Princess Mononoke, and the hit Beyblade series. If that's sounds like your cup of tea, then you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast apps. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated.
1: Hi, I'm Zothelia Moth. I am a streamer. I like to goof off on my Twitch with my friends and chat. If you catch me live, you will either see me on a chill game while I hang out with chat or playing a multiplayer game with my friends. Either way, you'll always catch me paying attention to chat. I'm always here to talk. My whole goal as a streamer is to make sure you know you are never alone. You can find me at Cecilia Moth on Twitch. Z E L P H I A Moth on Twitch TV. Thank you.
0: This episode is sponsored by Zencaster. If you're a podcaster that records remotely like me, then you'll know how challenging it can be to create the podcast you've always wanted. That's where Zencaster comes in. Before I met Zencaster, I was but a naive podcaster, recording on low quality, one track audio waves. <laughs> with Zencaster, you can kiss those fears goodbye as they provide crystal clear audio and HD video. Plus, with our all-in-one podcasting suite, recording with guests is extremely simple. From local recordings to post-production, Zencaster has it all. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code CHATSUNAMI. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share
1: your story.